0: to glorious rugby podcast i'm your host john fitzpatrick i'm your co-host john fitzpatrick and joining me as always is my fellow co-host alistair kirsch pool akp how are you feeling man
1: what's going on i'm feeling disappointed excited combinations of of everything a lot to like a lot to dislike um and man that forward pass but we'll get to it we'll get to it so
0: so AKP, you want to hear something funny about the game? I'm roller coaster emotions for me, up and down. I um, I injured myself watching this <laughs> match because I got at one point I got so frustrated at the end, true story. I kicked the refrigerator. My wife turns to me and goes, "What are you doing?" and I turned to her and I said, "I think I just hurt my foot."
1: <laughs> okay, wow. We'll we'll so, make sure to put you on the the uh, injury list for this week. <laughs> We'll make sure that oh, no, no one can pick you in fantasy, fantasy rugby this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, round four. Old Glory DC versus New England Free Jacks uh, Saturday afternoon. That was uh, certainly an entertaining match, and certainly it did not go the way we wanted to if you're an Old Glory DC fan. But they did salvage two table points, which was huge, and that was something that we talked about last weekend. If they lost it, at least they could get some points, and they did get points, but... If you want to, let's talk about it. We're gonna we're gonna pick at that scab. The the heel is not the wound is not healed yet, but let's talk about it. let's recap that New England game. I'm gonna start off the top. What went wrong for DC in that game?
1: Yeah, so way better than last week, but but still a lot of problems. So um I felt like the D- defense just kind of lost the plot sometimes. You know, it was just like they did against new york we we played pretty good defense most of the time and then occasionally they would just forget that they're supposed to tackle people they would just lose track of guys and then they'd go through for a score it was like and it's it's a lot of what we saw last season a lot of what made last season so rough is that you had guys who or you had you had good defense most of the time you know 90 percent of the time the defense was great and then just that 10 percent of the time is was it was so bad that they could score and it's it's frustrating to see because i thought we were better than that we were better than that when in preseason and when we played chicago and then we just seem to have completely regressed i wonder if going into the uh the bye week with a win was actually a bad thing i wonder if we'd actually lost to chicago if we'd be in a better place now which is weird to say but you know they seem to have they seem to have come off the gas. There doesn't seem to be that same sort of fire for just always making the tackle that was there in week one.
0: We talked about the defensive struggles that Oak Glory had last season and coming into this season, maybe a change of mindset, change of tactics a little bit. And yes, against Chicago, I thought they played pretty well defensively, but then we've seen these last two weeks, you know, they're giving up, they're giving up some pretty big it's hard to win a game if your defense is going to give up 34 points, no matter how, how prolific your offense might be. And, yes, we did score 31 points, but it's hard to win a game when you're giving up 34 points. And if you look at that game, O'Glory did everything right to start the game. They scored first. I mean, they got that crowd quieted at least a little bit. They were, they were possessing the ball. Tito Diaz-Benilla had a nice little kick out to William Talatana, who we, this is the first time we've seen him all season. Nice catch dotted down. Hey, Tito hits that nice conversion. There seven nothing. You couldn't ask for a better start to the game. New England settled down a little bit. They started to work through some phases, and then we started to see some of those defensive issues. Where, you know, we love Talatena. One of one of the, last year, uh, I think he had top ten and meters gained and top ten and tries scored. But that was at the center position, and he was out there. On the wing, and it seemed like there were some issues defensively between the center and the wing. What what was kind of going on there, and did New England pick up on something pretty early?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is weird. Some centers can play wing. I mean, we've put Doug Frazier on the wing before, and he's done done well. Um, I actually think he looks a little better at on the wing than he does at center. But yeah, apparently that's not true for Teletana. He just doesn't quite. Quite fit there, and part of that's what we ask our wings to do. I think we tend to leave them fairly exposed and require them to do a lot of cover, a lot of ground on the edge there. And frankly, Palamo wasn't doing him any favors either. Um, Palamo playing outside center, and there was that first score from New England where um, Palamo didn't get his, didn't tackle his guy, and that that left Talatena two guys to tackle, and he. There are ways you can handle that as a wing, but there's only so much you can do. So, yeah i I feel like that that experiment has probably come and gone, and I don't. I feel like Talitana didn't do that bad a job, but it's it's just clearly not where he's best.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll see. You know, there were some injury concerns, right? And maybe Olguer just wanted to find a way to get Willie in in the game, considering we haven't seen him yet, right? So. Uh... You know, we can certainly talk a little bit more about that as we as we preview Toronto. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the—I hate criticizing referees. It's a tough job, but there were a couple of—there was one call. Let's talk about those last two minutes of the first half. Oglory's driving. They're down a try. They kick the ball out. Jamison Fano-Schultz has the ball. Makes it off—nice offload. It bounces off a defender's hand. I think it goes to to Talatane. I forget which Oglory DC player it was. Was going to probably score there. Ref calls it back for a forward pass. Everyone on on rugby Twitter commented, you know, a bad call. Maybe it was a bad angle from the ref, but then...
1: Even the commentators immediately knew that that was a bad call.
0: Yeah, look, referees are going to make some bad calls. They're going to have bad sight lines to certain things. Okay, I can understand that. But then, oh, later, about a minute later... You know the, the, the ball's deep in in Lord's territory. Um, I think New England. There was a the ball went out of play or something like that. But thirty seconds left in the half. All we really have to do is do our line out, get the ball, maybe a phase or two, kick the ball out, and let's go into the locker rooms down and try. Unfortunately, I questioned the decision making process there by Tito, who I thought played really well all game. Quick line out. I think he gets it to Kurt. Kurt kind of scrambled, tried to kick it out. The ball doesn't get out. New England gets the ball. They ended up getting a phase or two, and they score a try. And all of a sudden, they're, what, what, 19 to 5 or whatever that was, or 19 to 7, 19 to 10. What happened there? I mean, like, he couldn't have asked for a worse minute and a half of play that it's just frustrating, frustrating to watch.
1: Yeah, if there was ever a turning point in a match, a, a decisive moment, that that was it you know a bad call which it happens you 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 wish the tmo would have said something but is what it is and and there's there's only so much you can do there but but then yeah poor decision making and that was that's sort of the theme of what's been going on is we've we've seemed a little frantic in the last couple of games and and some poor decision making trying to push the envelope trying to do a bit more than than is maybe necessary there were a couple of times where people tried to to go for that extra offload when they probably should have just kept it and like you know kicking when they probably didn't need to kick and that was that was one of those cases it was a really bad kick it set up New England in a really good way and then um, I don't remember who it was uh cut back through our defense and there were there were four or five players who should have been able to tackle him, and and no one could get a hand on him, and it's it was just sort of everything all at once. Every bad thing that could have happened to Old Glory happened all at once. No one got injured. That's the only bad thing that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, in every yeah, fortunately,
0: way. no one got. Yeah, it's fortunate no one got injured, and and certainly a good bounce-back effort from Old Glory after, uh, you know, a disappointing uh, round three match against uh, New York, but let's talk a little bit about some of the positives that we saw out of the game. What what were some of the the key takeaways that you saw in terms of, hey, this actually looked pretty well, or worked pretty well?
1: Well, I think right off the bat, I'm going to come out with the fact that Old Glory really should have won this, and that... You know they went in underdogs but and after watching that New York match you' like uh, you were wondering whether we were gonna have a a really really bad team again but but then they come out and you know that was a very very winnable match, like a way better performance and you know a little bit of better decision making here or there a little bit of um you know getting a little luckier on some of those calls and you we could have won that you know it was. It was really, really close, and and I'll I'll take that as a win. I'll take I'll take at least some optimism from that going forward.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I guess what shouldn't be a surprise, but some of the the match day selections, right? We saw Herrera this time um, come off the bench, uh, and when he came on in the second same half, same with
1: us, Iscaro.
0: Iscaro, yeah, you're right. Right, good point too. When they came on in the second half our scrums and our malls looked pretty good. I mean, I, I the one that I can point to that immediately jumps out to mind is that in the 59th minute, uh, the line out to the mall that led to a try to tie the score up to make it, you know, a successful conversion, made it 20-24-24, but that driving mall was a good 10 meters, and they dotted down, and that was impressive. So I guess my question to you, AKP, is do you like Herrera coming off the bench, and Iscaro coming off the bench, or... Would you prefer they be in the starting fifteen?
1: Yeah, so it's a an interesting question, isn't it? Because you know when they're when they're on the field, um, old glory was was very much in the in the positives. You know, the, the basketball has the concept of of like plus minutes. Basically, if you when a guy's on the court, is is the team scoring? More than they're getting scored on, and and if you look at that for Iscaro and Herrera, they're they're definitely definitely had those plus minutes. They were we scored a lot more and gave up a lot less while they were on the the field. But at the same time, maybe that's because there was the the overlap. Maybe that's because you know we got to put them against New England's second string. You know their their backups. So, but maybe we also wouldn't have been down. A couple scores at the half if we had them in from the beginning so i think it can work either way i think as long as the the coaches have a plan for how they're going to deal with it i think they can make it work but um and it nearly did this time and come from behind that's one way to play we saw utah do that a, a few years ago you know every single game they were they were coming from behind and they would score sometime in the last five ten minutes to take the lead and and they'd win. It's a, it's definitely a thing you can do if that's how you build the team. And that's and that's an identity that the team takes on. But, you know, I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, another thing that I wanted to point out, and Old Glory certainly benefited from the fact that there was a number of yellow cards and, of course, a red card for Jesse the Pest Peretti. So New England's got some discipline issues there. <laughs> Peretti's yeah. first game. Uh, this season for New England, and he gets a red card, right? So he's going to be missing the next game, right? So I think the point of bringing that up is just that I think Old Glory really treaded that fine line between playing out of control in terms of not letting a guy like Peretti really get in their head, right? Because that could have, the score yeah. could have gotten ugly after it was 24 10, could have gotten away from them. They continued to battle back, no quit in this team, but they didn't get too emotional in the sense that. They did something stupid to hurt them, right? Like a, a punch or a throw. Because watching that game, pretty just kept egging on the ref. And finally, after all those cynical fouls, he was like, that's enough. You're off. Like, the, particularly at the end there when they finally sent him off. Because Johnston got bumped by him. And he clearly went after him to knock him out of the way there on that on that little kick. It was just like, what is going on here? So kudos to Oh Glory DC for, for not doing anything that was going to cost the team on a yellow card or a red card. I thought that was an encouraging sign because certainly when you're playing an Eastern Conference opponent, and it was definitely an in intense, you know, very fiery game, they didn't do anything detrimental.
1: Yeah, and that's it's exactly what I thought they were going to do against New York. Like, it's we've seen New York play that sort of ill-disciplined, sort of sloppy game. Um, risky style and i thought that's what we were gonna and then new york for some reason against us just like completely pulled it together for a game and decided they were going to be completely well disciplined and then new england who's normally better disciplined just lost their heads it's it's sort of a weird flip-flop i was expecting i was expecting new york and new england to to perform like the others did
0: uh again (laughs) there's a reason why i uh Kicked my refrigerator, and my foot is on the men, so I'll be fine. But certainly, frustrating game. I really do feel like that was a game that kind of slipped away from us. And people can say, oh, well, you were down 10 points with you know a minute left, but Old Glory battled back to get a try, to get within three. Had an opportunity at the end there, certainly to try and win it, but salvaged two table points. You know, As we yeah. look forward to round five and a home match, yes, against Toronto, uh, what do you think all glory can do to improve upon or what kind of can be fixed leading into this round five match against the arrows.
1: Yeah. So I think the most, the easiest things for the entire team is just um, we, we got a little sloppy. We got very sloppy against New York and then we, we were still pretty sloppy against new England um, tackling, especially like that defensive focus and intensity needs to come back from, from our match against Chicago. Um, discipline we were we were reasonably disciplined but things were chippy against Toronto or against uh, New England and we don't want to that's a risky path to walk Um, and then also just decision making Um, like calming down a bit trusting ourselves to to be able to score without having to do crazy crazy things not just you know kicking because because there's an opportunity like some of that decision making really can be improved, and I think I think that's all fixable. That's all. That's all a, a few stern words from the coach and getting everyone focused again. I think I think that can all be fixed.
0: One of my questions, and we talked about this a little bit after the game, and in the run up to this, do you think Old Glory may need to make some changes in the centers? Is there anything we should be doing? they could be doing differently uh in the back line, particularly in the center position, either new combinations or guys coming off the bench. Would do you tweak that there or what do you think?
1: Yeah, I remember um Josh Sims saying at one point uh that they would they would sort of slot in the international players where they where they needed them, where the they would put in their they'd create sort of their best domestic lineup and then and that would determine who, which foreign players they use. And right now, I think our our domestic um, wing options are probably better than our domestic center options. As much as I like Threaten Palamo, um, I think it might be time to put Talatena in at the centers, like Talatena and Fermin Martinez as as the centers, and then that means you're probably going to have to switch you're probably not going to be able to play a an international at or a foreign player at the wing but i mean we've seen good stuff from john rizzo mike Dabulus actually had a, gr- a good game once he came back on the field he's starting to look a bit like his old self which um you know makes sense knocking the rest off so you know maybe you go back to Dabulus on the wing on one wing and um Marcos Young looked pretty good on the other wings, so yeah, I think you. I think you switch that up. You go back to Talatena in the centers.
0: Well, they've got a lot of decisions certainly to make in the back line against Toronto, and we'll get there in just a second. But I want to talk a little bit and move over to who we're selecting as our forward of the game and our back of the game, and I'll take the pressure off you, AKP, unless this is an obvious decision on your part. And I have two is in, in mind who I thought played pretty well. And I'll mention them and then I'll tell you who I think my forward of the game is. One, I thought Colin Gross played pretty well as a spot start who came in. I think he had something like 15 tackles. Again, for a player that we thought we were just going to kind of bring along and develop throughout the course of the season, the second time he's, he's jumped into the starting 15, I thought he played pretty well. But I think my forward of the game and maybe just because he was on the receiving end of such some great lineouts and some walls but Nick Suchin again played pretty well and whether you've got Escaro or Herrera on his side that he's packing down with or the others he seems to be a gamer and what I like about him too is that uh, and we talk about discipline he'll he'll run his mouth a little bit in the sense that he's not going to back down from people out there and that's what I like about someone in the forward pack you need someone who's going to be a little testy he's going to be a little edgy He's a hard-nosed player. He was the benefit of two tries. He's been a great pickup in the off-season for Old Glory. I'm going to give Nick Suchin my four to the game.
1: Yeah, I was. I was also um, pretty impressed with Corey Daniel. I thought he did a He had a good game. He's back to being a, a tackling machine, and um, he's he's literally just massive, like a a, a unit, as they say, and. Um, I thought he had a, a pretty good game, but I'm, I'm going to go with your your the first player you mentioned, Colin Gross. I think it's it's just really impressive what he's been able to do in such a short time, and come straight out of college and look so good in the starting lineup and at a couple different positions too. I mean, he's played. He looked great at flanker against Chicago, and then he started at lock. And Locke's not an easy position, and I think people forget how, you know, we we pay a lot of attention to the front rows and how good the front rows are, but the lock position makes a, a big difference. They're the ones who, who hold the front row up, and pushing too hard can be a problem. Pushing too little can be a problem. You know, just not being tall enough can be a problem, and, and so for him to defy punditry expectations and just be able to start at lock in his his you know third ever professional game is it's impressive.
0: Before I move, I agree. Before I move to back of the game, honorable mention to Jamison Farnell Schultz. I think he's quietly as the captain been yeah. very steady and playing really well. He, he I think he had almost 100 meters gained. He's been playing really well. He didn't let Peretti really get to him. So shout out to to Jamison who. If you're listening, buddy, we appreciate you. Don't you worry.
1: He always likes my stuff on Twitter, so he might be listening.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got to shout him out, right? Got to show him some love, as they say. Let's move to the back of the game. And I'm going to let you pick your back of the game first. Go ahead.
1: So I, I'm going to go with, with Tito. And it's a bit of an obvious choice, but I think his um, he's starting to get a bit more of a feel, I feel like, for The players who are around him he um he kicks across fields a little more often than i'd like but it also worked and that's how we got i think our our first try was him Mm -hmm. cross field kick to talatana so i think he's he's coming along and he'll i think there's other problems with the backs that we need to fix and i think once we do we'll see just how impressive a player tito is and I thought he had a good game this time. So,
0: I agree with you. Um, Tito was my back of the game. Uh, speaking of the cross field kicks, that first one to Talatana was great. At the end of the game, when he did that cross, you know, everyone thought he was going to kick to touch. Instead, he kicked it to Owen She running on, who who led to DeBullis to score the try to get within three. Successful conversion. Yeah. His goal kicking has been great. His penalty kicking, I think, it was four for four on conversions, which was huge. You miss one of those, and then you know we miss you know, one or two of those, and all of a sudden we only get one. Uh, one-table point. Uh, the only blemish, again, and we talked about this earlier in the podcast, was just that ill-advised quick line-out that just didn't need to happen at the end of the first half. But again, I'm not going to fault a guy too much for trying to make a play. That one there, wish we could have had back, but Tito is my back of the game as well. And I think we're starting to see much more maybe confident and maybe just familiar with the rest of the players on this team that I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen the rest of the season. Whew. So that was... a. Uh, That was round four. And if you look at what happened across the rest of MLR in round four, particularly the Eastern Conference, I just want to focus on the Eastern Conference here for a second. You've got New York at top of the table with 10 points. Rugby ATL, who was on bye, they have 10 points. New England Free Jacks, they have 10 points. You've got Old Glory sitting in fourth place with seven. Nola Gold, massive win over New York in a very intense hard-hitting game at five points. And then the Toronto Arrows... How about Sam Malcolm, 27 points to lead Toronto in that one. They now have five points. The Eastern Conference right now, AKP, is stacked. What is going on here? It's going to be a dogfight.
1: Yeah, yeah, and especially when you consider that, that some of the teams that are a little lower down have, have missed a week already. I mean, we have played one less game than, than Rugby ATL and, and Toronto and some of the other teams. New York. I mean, New York's at the top of the standing, but they've had four games. New England's only had three. We've only had three. So when you look at it that way, it gets even even closer.
0: Oof. Just glad, again, we salvaged those two points. But, man, what a missed opportunity had we been able to close it out against New England and, and get the win there. But, you know what? That's in the past. That's fine. We're looking forward. We're looking ahead to Toronto. It's a home game, which I'm super excited about. They get to take on the Toronto Aero Segre field. That's a seven o'clock. That's the Saturday night kickoff on FS two, by the way. so national coverage there. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I looked ahead at the weather. I think it's going to be a high fifty eight, but certainly probably by the time the sun goes down, we're probably going to be in the, you know, mid-40s, which I think, again, can be expected this time, but it, right now it doesn't look like there's rain. So we'll we'll see as we get there. But I want to talk about I want to preview this this matchup against the Toronto Aeros, and we certainly saw that in preseason uh, when we had the match against them. But if you were to sum up Toronto right now, what what would you say about them?
1: They're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it's not all their faults. I'll I'll yeah. say that you know they've had. They've had a ridiculous number of injuries already to start the season. Um, it's it's a lot like us last season where they they're just coming out of the gates with with massive injuries. Um, they've had it it pretty tough so far. They had um, they they dropped their their opening season their opening game to Atlanta. I think that was a pretty close one, and then they just got steamrolled by new york which you know who whom amongst us has not been steamrolled by new york (laughs) um no idea what that feels like and and then they they managed to pull out a close one against chicago on the road which you know credit to them i said i think they're trying to figure themselves out i think they are they're sort of ripe for the taking i think if we if we can limit the the silly decision making we can and if actually maybe you know maybe we can get away with some silly decision making we just need to to play aggressively and play put it out there and really really try to win the game throw them off balance they're still trying to figure out who they are as a team how they they want to win how they want to play and so we need to take advantage of that and we if we can break up the field if our forwards can can really push through and and make some space for our backs I think I think we've got a good chance in this game
0: yeah I agree I think um, and we talked about this Toronto certainly uh, unfortunate that they've had a lot of injuries and they've had to put guys in spots that they've normally never played the New York game in the New York game you know they had to slot someone else in at fly half Sam, Sam Malcolm came back The guy had 27 points against Chicago, scored two tries, penalties, kicked a drop goal. I mean, impressive stuff. So certainly, like, it's no surprise that Sam Malcolm is certainly a threat, and Oglor is certainly going to be tuned up to that. But um, in my mind, and this may be crazy just round five, I'm calling this a must-win game in the sense that we're returning at home where you got to win games at home against a very beatable team here in the Arrows. And this is not a knock on them. It's a simple fact that they've struggled a little bit. They've got some injury and depth concerns. Old Glory almost got that win against New England. They need to have, bounce back and have a good showing just because things are so tight there in the Eastern Conference that I'm calling this a, a must-win game, or at least a game that they, they should win. All right, AKP, so round five, a must-win might be a little crazy, but what are your thoughts on this game being must-win for Old Glory DC?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Hey, with a season as short as as just 16 games, every every game feels like a must win, but yeah, this might be the easiest game we have for a, a little bit too. After this we're we're going to San Diego who are no pushovers and I think we're on the road for that game. Um, and then we've got Nola after that, I think. or no, we've got sorry, we've got Nola next and they're they're no longer a pushover. I mean just look at what they did to New York. Can't take that game easily and then we've got San Diego on the road and you know Snapdragon. we've seen what happens to teams there and then rugby ATL after that i think so we've got tough games coming up and and Toronto might be the easiest one if we if we drop this yeah there's not it's not going to be easy to get back on the right track
0: yeah i agree certainly certainly a game that um is a winnable one and O'Garry should 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 rise to the occasion for this. So let's talk a little bit about what we think the score is going to be. And and I got to bring up the fact that your model is, what, 19 or 20 and 1 on the season? Is that right?
1: Yep. Uh, the only thing it got wrong is that, that NOLA upset of Rooney, which, you know, <laughs> who was guessing yeah, that? I think,
0: Come on. Uh, I think a lot of people got that one wrong. Uh, indeed, in fact, I wanted to bring up here, in the Superbrew pool that I'm in, only 5% of players picked New Orleans to win that game. So, uh-huh.
1: And they're probably all New Orleans uh, homers who, who just pick New Orleans all the time.
0: So we bring up the model. What does the model say is going to be the winner and the score in this game? And then we'll go to our picks.
1: Yeah, so it has Old Glory winning by 5, 34 to 29. A lot of that is home advantage.
0: that's not too far off from what i think the the score and the winner may be i've got Oak glory dc winning this one 31 to 28 again i think the number the numbers tick up a little bit higher because i think defensively while they've made some improvements i think Glory is still susceptible to giving up some tries here and uh, I think this one may be a little bit higher scoring if the weather is nice, and I think that's just something we may just have to anticipate with this old glory team is that, yes, defensively they've made some fixes, but they're still going to be giving up some points. So in order to, to win, they're going to have to maybe score a little bit more. But, hey, they've shown that they can score, right? Nearly 50, or 50 points or 42 points or whatever that was. Yes, a miss against New York, and then right back into to the, to the 30s again. So I think – I like Old Glory in this one to win thirty-one twenty-eight and hopefully we can prevent Sam Malcolm from from scoring a game winning or, or or dying drop goal in the final minutes of the game. Old Glory, thirty-one twenty-eight.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go for a slightly safer thirty-five-twenty-eight, in line with my model. A little more optimistic for Old Glory, which pretty much describes my relationship with the model.
0: I mean I mean I'm I'm super impressed with the model. Twenty and one. That's Pretty solid. I'm gonna to have to start really following the model when it comes to placing any bets, if I were to place any bets.
1: It's it's not likely to continue. Historically, it's it's been able to pick the correct winner about seventy percent of the time, um, but it's just been insanely accurate this season. Maybe the league is getting more predictable. Who knows?
0: Maybe, but I feel like we're at the stretch of the season where. Some of these scores may be unpredictable. And I feel like we, we know who these teams are, but that NOLA game was, in my mind, a surprising. Maybe that was injuries, or maybe NOLA just had their backs against the wall, and this was a game they were like, you know what, we've, we've got to win here. Uh, and they certainly did, and it certainly showed MLR and everyone else in the Eastern Conference a little something. So why don't we take a look at the rest of round five, and we can make our selections. We've got another busy Saturday again. The, the games appear to be stacking up, but the first one, Saturday afternoon, we've got Nola Gold taking on the Utah Warriors. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff. Utah Warriors, fresh off a of bye, seem to be putting together a pretty solid squad. They're now taking on a New Orleans team that obviously just beat New York. This is a tricky one for me simply because of how NOLA played in round four. And even though this one is in New Orleans, I still think Utah is the better team here. I think this one could be close. I'm liking a a Utah team that's looking up. I th- I've got them winning by three.
1: I'm going to take NOLA by three. I think I was impressed by by last week. And honestly, I think bye weeks are, are not generally good for teams. Um, so... I'll I'll take I'll take Nola by three, but it's not a confident three, and the model has Utah by five, so you're probably gonna come out correct okay. on this one.
0: We'll see. My my picks last week were pretty bad. I went one and four, so <laughs> not a not a good uh, not a good round for me. That's okay though. Uh, moving on, Saturday early evening, six p.m. Rugby ATL coming back from their buy. They're at home hosting San Diego Legion. Before we go to our picks, what does the model say in this game? Cuz I'm very interested in this.
1: The model has Atlanta by 3. And that's that's going to be entirely home advantage there. That's San Diego. It, the model thinks San Diego is slightly better, but but home advantage gives it to Atlanta.
0: Okay. Not to skewed my thinking at all, but going into this, I do think Rugby ATL can win this one. I think they've been kind of maybe sneaky good we just haven't really talked about them too much because they've been, they haven't been they have been exactly the flashiest team but they play a solid defense they play well at home I like rugby ATL in this one um, well this one could get sideways quickly I think this could be another bruising game I think I don't I don't think ATL is a team that's going to give up 30 40 points I like rugby ATL in this one I think it's a tight one maybe even I got them winning by three.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to disagree again. This is going to be a disagreement episode. I'm going to. I've been very impressed by San Diego. Uh, I like it. they've, they've really controlled their games. They've been, somewhat unstoppable with with the ball. Like they're, they're going to score points, and it's sort of inevitable. Um, Ma Nanu has just looked great so far. So I'm going to take them by five.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Very cool. I like the the differences we have here. Of course, Saturday night, Old Glory DC at home against Toronto. We're both picking Old Glory here, and we heard the models selection. Another Saturday night game. This is going to be an interesting one here, AKP. You've got the Chicago Hounds at home hosting the Dallas Jackals. Chicago lost by one to Toronto and Sam Malcolm in his 27 points. Both teams, Chicago and Dallas, are both looking for their first win in franchise history. What does the model say, AKP?
1: The model has Chicago by seventeen. So,
0: oh, by seventeen?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Chicago was yeah. Chicago hasn't done that badly so far. They've had some some close games for the most part, and then um, whereas Dallas is, I mean, they're still losing games they got they they didn't score a single point last weekend so until they start winning something and even after they start winning something it's going to take a lot for the model to be convinced that they're actually decent
0: yeah um i agree with you and i think primarily my thoughts on why i think chicago wins this game is because dallas is, is having issues scoring right again they didn't score against san diego um again billy meeks came back maybe a slow start for him uh, Chicago's missing a couple of players. Dominguez, I think, will still be out for this week. But Mark O'Keefe, Billy Meeks, Luke Carty, I just think they're going to have a better game. I like Chicago in this one. I think Chicago probably wins by, I'm going to give them winning by eight. Maybe a little bit closer, but I think they win by eight.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say winning by 14. I think, I don't think it'll be close, but, um, I do think Dallas will score some points this time.
0: And then round five closes out with, um, Pretty pivotal match here between two Eastern Conference contenders. New York Ironworkers are at home hosting the New England Free Jacks. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff. Both teams are going to be missing some players. That New York NOLA game had a number of injuries on both sides. New England's going to be without Peretti with the red card. You've got um, Josh Larson, who I think may be missing some time. He left the game early against Oak D.C., what does the model have for this
1: game the model has a dead tie oh perfectly and and like it's it's got if you really expand the numbers um it's got new york by um 0.005 of a point so it, it just, just just a tiny hair for but like that's that's not a significant digit that's that's just a rounding error literally so it's a tie as far as the model's concerned yeah.
0: I think this is gonna be a fun one uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching this one I think right now on paper and just on play even though New York you know teams are gonna have a, a bad game here and there that's just that's just gonna happen I still think New York um they're going to come out on top on this one. I like that maybe the slight home advantage. I think the the backs that New York has. I think New York needs a better job of needs to do a better job of finding a way to get the ball. Um, to Ed Fido, who maybe a slower start to the season than would be expected, but I think they got to find ways to get him the ball in space. I like New York in this one. I'm going to have them win it by five.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take it closer but still New York. I'll say New York by three.
0: Should be an interesting way to close out round five, and again, I'm, I'm excited to see how the the table's going to shake out and the standings are going to shake out after this one, and, and hopefully Old Glory can edge a little closer. And they got an opportunity here to potentially what? Maybe get first in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I know that's crazy to talk about, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's on the table. If they get a, a bonus point win and the model is correct, the it's a tie between New York and New England. Like that would put New York, New England at at twelve points each, and we could get up to twelve points with a bonus point win. So that would put it down to points differentials. So yeah, Ooh, we- and that's 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 what's what's crazy about all of this is we can <laughs> everything's on the table so far. The there are no undefeated teams in in the East. We're all. At, I'm struggling to figure out who's good and who's not good because it seems to change week to week. So that's what makes this league fun. You you don't know. There's there's never any certainty. And every time someone says, "Oh, the former champions, you you can you can throw that out the window because you know, just because you were good last year, just because you were good last week doesn't mean you're going to be good this week." So it's chaos and it's good.
0: It's chaos. And it's good. It's round five in Major League Rugby. AKP. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And what a great way to end this episode. than on that note, it's chaos. It's good. It's worth watching. Bring a friend to the game. Watch it on the Rugby Network. Watch it on FS2. Let's grow this thing. I'm super excited for All Glory's Chances against Toronto uh, Saturday. For Alistair Kirsch I am John Fitzpatrick. We'll catch you guys next week.